very, very end of uh, the New Testament. It's a very little book. And uh, I will give you a page number in a moment. 1,218. 1,218. 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, in the uh, just over nine years that I've lived um, a, a road away from here, I, I can't think of many weeks, certainly no years, in which um, basically every road in this, at least this um, little patch of the parish, hasn't had um, a skip, scaffolding, and signboards up. Sometimes many of them, sometimes multiply, uh, sometimes next door to each other. We have been particularly fortunate where we live um, in that we've had um, major works and scaffolding one side or other of us for five consecutive summers now. Uh, It's a great joy um, and um, uh, it provides endless entertainment to watch. uh, They're doing lovely work and if there are houses and we had that money, we'd do it. So I don't complain, except um, it does make you... Start to you get quite an expert at um, watching the scaffolding going up and then trying to guess what it is uh, that they're doing. Uh, is it just going to be a little bit of uh, pointing work? Is it going to be um, uh, something much more major, an extra room? Um, in the case of um, our neighbours at the moment, an entire new top story, um, which I suspect will still be going on in a few months' time. Um, but when you're watching a building going up, that question of all, just what is it? And for that matter, what's it for? It gets asked. And uh, sometimes, just occasionally, um, work gets started on a building, particularly a new building, and there's great intrigue around the place. And uh, or people start to spread all sorts of rumours. There was a point, um, I don't know whether any of you ever picked this one up, where um, there was a property on the, I was getting the name of the road wrong, the London Road, which was rumoured to be about to become the new US um, embassy. Um, and there was very, very strong rumours that this particular building, which to all intents and purposes was just a, a, a block of apartments, had been earmarked um, for being, because they, they were going to move out of London. And, uh, and of, of course, as it happens, they had built, um, I think, this uh, incredible place with a moat and a fortress and all sorts of uh, things instead. But the question of what a building is for um, intrigues us, yes. But of course, it's pretty vital to the plans. It's pretty vital as to whether what you've built is fit for purpose. And there's no point having a building, and it's happened many times in history, that looks magnificent but is utterly unfit for purpose or simply crumbles after a year or two of use for that purpose. And it's exactly that question that we ought to ask of church. I don't mean the church building. Uh, That's of fairly secondary importance when it comes to this question. What I do mean is of this thing that we call God's church. What's it for? What we're building? There's plenty of scaffolding around the place, stuff that we're working on, stuff that's not quite there yet. There's crumbling bits and rather magnificent bits and there's stuff we take great pleasure in. But the question is, given this thing that we enjoy called, well, this bit of God's church called All Souls, what's it for? Because unless we know what it's for, we won't know whether it's fit for purpose. We won't know what parts of it need work. We won't know what it is our part to play. And it is. Over these three Sundays, we've been looking at um, different pictures that the Bible paints of what church is and is for, so that as we say, count me in to the life of all souls, we know what it is we're letting ourselves in for. We know what it is we're committing to. If this is simply 
A club, you'd have to decide, well, does it serve my interests? If it's a community, you'd have to decide, well, do I like the people that are here? If it's a series of experiences and events, you'd have to decide, well, do I get the warm, fuzzy feelings when I come to church? Actually, the Bible says it's a little bit of all of those, but not really primarily any of those. What is it? What is this building, the church, for? What's its purpose? I want to read just um, three, two verses from 1 Peter 2. Um, the verses either side of them are important as well, and we'll mention those Uh, I want to read 1 Peter 2 and verses 4 and 5. That's there on page 1,218. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by people but chosen by God and precious to him, then you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As you come to him. Well, look, the most important thing about a house is what it's built on. And the most important thing to Peter. uh, As far as we can tell, um, Peter, the disciple of Jesus, by this time, one of the elders, one of the the leaders of the Christian church, um, probably in Rome, and uh, writing to a group of um, churches in Asia Minor. And um, Peter is absolutely convinced that the most important thing about this building that God is building, this people that God is making, is the foundation stone, is the one on whom it's all built, this living stone. And a little bit later on, verse 6, for in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And again in verse 8, a stone that causes people to stumble. And the verse before that, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Capstone or cornerstone? The stone that anchors everything together at the bottom, the stone that puts everything in place at the top. Either way, says Peter, the most important stone in the whole building has got to be Jesus Christ. The picture language... um, um, builders, architects, and most of all, um, theologians can argue over exactly which stone in the building that is. But there's no doubting the basic idea of it. The basic idea is that you don't just take a pebble or a rock from somewhere and just chuck it into the building. The idea would be that you take a piece of stone and you put serious effort and time and care into that key stone. Because it's from that keystone that both the straight lines and the levels of your wall are going to be built. Get that first stone wrong, and everything else will be out of line. Get that first stone wrong, and everything else will be at an angle. Pick the wrong stone that can't take the weight, and everything else will crumble. And what Peter says is it's a bit of picture language. that He says, do you know, whatever it is you're building, whatever it is you're building for, and actually whatever it is you're building with, unless Jesus Christ is that key stone, the one that holds everything together, the one by whom everything is measured, then you're building for disaster. Now, of course, you can build that way. Plenty of um, buildings over the history of uh, the, the, the world over thousands of years have been built the wrong way and have suffered the consequences, but not always straight away. Sometimes buildings collapse many years later. Sometimes things don't get noticed until it's nearly finished. You can make a really impressive structure built on the wrong foundations. 
with the wrong keystone. It is very possible to build big and successful churches and to miss Jesus out of it entirely. Don't ever let success blind you to whether things are true and in line and healthy. Because they won't last. They shouldn't last. Peter says, if you're going to build, build on this foundation and this foundation only. It won't always be popular. That's the whole point of verses 6 and 7 and 8, which we could spend a whole sermon on um, on their own, where he quotes from Isaiah in two different places. He quotes from the psalmist. And he speaks, um, he, he takes his readers back to those who looked ahead and who looked ahead to the day when God would come and give this foundation stone, give this keystone, and people would hate it. Who would say, that's not the way we want to build. That's not the building that we want to construct. We want to do it our way. We want something that looks impressive. We want something that is impressive. We want something that talks of us, not of him. So Peter says, beware. There are huge temptations out there to build other than this way. You know, if we ever build something in the life of all souls that isn't built on the person of Jesus Christ, we have to be willing to tear it down. We have to be willing to say, no, we started in the wrong place. We've done it in the wrong way. We've headed in the wrong direction. We're we're out of true. It has to be about him. It has to not be just about us and about our plans. And that is true, would say Peter, of all of our lives. And the reason it's true of all of our lives is because he takes the general and he applies it to the particular. He takes this picture of God's people and he applies it to you as a living stone and me as a living stone. My life has to be a stone that is in true with the keystone, the capstone, the, that, that foundation stone. How will I know if my life is building something that is worthwhile? I don't actually want to wait to the end of my life and look back. I want to know as I'm building it, am I building something that is worth building? Is my life going to stand the test of time? I don't just mean physically. I mean in what it means, in what I achieve. And Peter says, measure it by what you're building up against, by where the capstone or the keystone, the foundation stone is. Is it Jesus? The one who has come to be God for us, God with us, God in us. The one who comes to rescue us, to redeem us, to set us back on our feet. The picture language in in Peter's mind is one that perhaps is very unfamiliar to us, but to his readers, even the Gentiles amongst them, it would have been incredibly familiar. Because all this language about stones about Zion that gets mentioned in verse 6, about a holy priesthood and a holy house, all of it would have taken them back to one place and one place only, the temple in Jerusalem or Zion, as it was called. You see, if you go back right to the beginning of the Old Testament, what you find is that at every step along the way of God's people, God's people, ancient Israel, God had given them a sign that he was with them and yet beyond them. A sign to reassure them of his presence, but also to remind them of his awesome majesty. Something to say to them, God is with you, but also to remind them that God is beyond us. When they escape from Egypt, the sign is that pillar of cloud during the day, 
and the fire at night, the Shekinah glory of God that they follow. When they're in the desert, it becomes that tabernacle, the, the tent that gets moved around. And when finally they settle in Jerusalem, Solomon, it is, the king, who builds the temple. The temple, remember, wasn't meant to be simply a great building that told all their neighbours what a great um, city Jerusalem was and what a great people Israel was. That's exactly what it became for some. It wasn't meant to be a place that people simply walked around and went, wow, what amazing stone, what incredible craftsmanship, what amazing gold, this must be a rich king and a wonderful nation. That's where it went wrong. What the temple was meant to do was to be a sign of God's presence with his people, because in that holy of holies was that picture language of God with us, but also a sign that God was much greater than could be held in one building. God was a God for the whole world. God was a God you couldn't just waltz into and say, hi. This was a God who only through sacrifice, only through the work of the priests, could they attain access. It had a job to do. It had a job to remind them and reassure them that God was with them, but also to be a sign to the whole world that God was far beyond what you could pin down and make your own. But the temple had a real problem. It had a problem because of its oneness. It was one building in one place at one time for one people served by one tribe of priests with one high priest who had to go again and again and again with sacrifices. That constant reminder of God. And the problem is it became a badge of honour and pride and some arrogance for God's people. We've got the one place. We must be special. Special because of something we've done. Special because God loves us more than other people. But Isaiah, who Peter quotes here, the psalmist whom Peter quotes here, they knew better. They knew that there would come a day when God would say, that was just a shadow of what's to come. That temple was pointing forward to a temple that won't just be one place for one people at one time, served by one tribe. That temple will be for all people, through all of history, through all the world that welcomes all people as its priests, because God is here for all. And that's the language that Peter picks up. That's why Peter says these words. You, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. See, we are living stones. We're to be modelled on Jesus. He is the living stone. We are now to be living stones placed alongside him. We're to be as true and reliable as we can be, like him. We are to be not little individuals doing our own thing. Me and God, we get on fine. We're to be built together into something that both hosts, if you like, the presence of God, just like that temple building did, but also shows the world a little bit of what God is like. It's quite a challenge. When people look at my life, they're meant to see that I am part of a living building. Not not a building with bricks and stone, but a living building of God's people. They're meant to see in me, but they're also meant to see in me with God's people, God at work. God at work making a difference in his world. God at work 
making a difference in families and communities and schools and workplaces. That's what my life is for, built into a living temple. And that's why he says, you're a priest. See, what priest's job was, was to bring the people to God through prayer and sacrifice and thanksgiving, and to bring God to the people in worship. They were meant to, to a certain extent, stand in the gap to bring the people to God and God to the people. And Peter is now saying of you, that's now your job. It's quite a thought, isn't it? Your job is to bring people to the living God through your life, your witness, your prayer, your care. And in living out your life before them to bring God to others. In Paul's letter to the Corinthians, he uses this language a slightly different way. He says, your very body is a temple of the Holy Spirit because God lives in you. And now Peter makes it corporate. He says it isn't just an individualistic thing. We are living stones built together to bring the world to God and to bring God to the world. To what extent does my life do that? To what extent does my life live out God's life before others? In the office in which I work, in the family that I belong to, in the playground I pick up my kids from, to what extent does my life live out the life of God in front of others? And to what extent do I bring others to God in praying for them, in speaking to them of my faith, even inviting them to church? How much does my life do that? And the point is, we're not meant to do that on our own. It's not meant to be me over here as the perfect stone. It's meant to be me and my life built together alongside others. And that's the challenge for us as a church. Think how easy it would be for us to simply work incredibly hard to build something together that we could be proud of. It's great looking around and thinking, goodness me, we actually needed five or six places to serve communion, not just three. It's great to wander out into children's groups and see some of the rooms too full on a Sunday morning and us thinking about starting another morning service. It it feels quite nice. We think, we did that. Here's a building we can admire and think, great. And Peter would go, no, 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 no. That's not the point. The point isn't to build something we can admire and other people can admire of our handiwork. The point is to build something that points people to God and in whom God dwells so that others can meet him. If we're not doing that, honestly and truly, we should put our time elsewhere. And then it speaks to me as an individual. It asks me to what extent to use those three count-me-in questions. To what extent am I growing my faith so that my stone in the building can carry the weight it's meant to? If my faith isn't growing, if I'm not developing in my relationship with Jesus, actually my bit of the building is going to be a little bit weaker because actually my faith can't carry the weight it's meant to, the weight that it needs to. I wonder what way that I could strengthen my bit of the building this year. It might be simply that you decide you're going to read a Christian book this year for the first time. Or you're going to read the Bible at home. Or you're going to join a prayer trip at our home group, one of our new grow groups next term. One way or another, I'm going to grow my faith so that my stone in this building God is making is stronger. 
and is more able to point others to him. The same is true as I serve as part of a team. I remember that this is not simply about me and what I do. This is about us and what we do together. Actually serving as part of a team. Sometimes it has to be said, rubbing up against other people we don't feel we quite fit with. If I can push the analogy probably beyond what it bears, you know, asking God to put a bit of mortar in there just to deal with the bumps and the lumps, because we're not all the same. We don't all tick the same way. We don't think about our faith the same way. We don't do stuff the same way. We have different personalities, different characters. Actually, it's really important, therefore, that we do serve alongside one another. Because we remember, it's not just about me. It's not just about my perspective on the world or what I've experienced of God. God nudges me up against other stones, these living, sometimes messy, awkward stones, and says, no, you belong together. Build something together with them. Be on a team It's really good for us, but it's also really good for the whole building. And the same is true of money. The the place costs, the building doesn't just build itself. It might be that I have almost nothing to give, but I can give a little. That's what my bit of the building is meant to do. It might be that I have plenty and more to spare. And actually God has designed the building that that's my job. That's the weight that I'm to carry. The question isn't how much, it's, it's what's my job? What's my stone meant to carry of that particular bit of the weight of this building as I give? You see, it all helps to actually think of myself as a living stone being built into a living building because it's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. It's not about all souls as a thing. It's about Jesus. It's not about a building or a structure or a process It's about him. So that by being built alongside my brothers and sisters, others get to see a little bit more of God. Others get to see that he is both with us and far beyond us. To be reassured by his presence and challenged by his greatness. To be both blessed by the work of his spirit, to have lives transformed and healed. And also to be transformed and made more the people we're meant to be. You are, says Peter, a living stone, whether you like it or not. You are, says Peter, being built into this living building, whether you want to or not. You've got a job to do. You're better the building, even if it's buried behind something or underneath something or whether it's right on the rooftop out there where everybody can see. You've got a job to do because that's the work that God's given your life, both in your Monday through Saturday life and in your Sunday life. You're a living stone, being built into a living building, based around, built upon, made true by that keystone, who is Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the keystone, the capstone, the the most important in this building of your church. Please, would you help us to build all that we build, to do all that we do as all souls, in line with you and built on you. And that we pray that you'd encourage us, excite us at the prospect that I have a job to do. I have a role in that building. I am a living stone that you have poured your spirit into and that you are using to build a living building that will point others to you. Forgive us where we put the building first. 
Forgive us where we're proud of what we think we've achieved. Forgive us where we lose track of who it is that's loved us and died for us and made us a people. And use us, we pray, to draw others to know you for themselves, children and adults far and near, and to become part of that same living building with you. In Jesus' name, amen.